Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Live. That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Now Gill, in his pocket, picked by Murray, the shot, Hawks win! Hawks win! Troy Murray steals and scores in overtime! Big night for me. Come down, watch a couple periods, I thought I'd pop in and... And join the broadcast for a couple of minutes. Everything you need to know about your Chicago Blackhawks. Hawks win! Here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. What a fantastic job by Ernie Scatton. Our fabulous... Who, who thankfully is safe. Yes, yes. I just heard a story Ernie told me, I haven't seen him in a while, about his garage burning down due to grass clippings. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Luckily he's okay. Luckily his family's okay. Yes. His house was fine. But uh, that's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> that, to you, me, I've never heard of that happening, especially in cold weather. Quick too. quick PSA out there. Yeah, grass clippings can apparently cause a fire in your garage. Uh, oh. Tough story to hear from Ernie Scatton, but uh, again, glad he's, he's okay. He's laughing about it, though. Yeah, so yeah. So we can laugh, too. Exactly. That's, that's the only reason we put it on there. And uh, yeah, putting some fire production, too, as he did not bury the lead. Troy Murray will be joining us later We're on. We're just killing time until 7.35, Yeah, pretty much, here. pretty much. Uh, welcome to Blackhawks Live. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Uh, a lot to get to on this edition. A quick turnaround because we had the one Wednesday night show on Black Wednesday last week, and here we are on Monday night after a one-in-one homestand. The Blackhawks beat the St. Louis Blues, comeback fashion, overtime win, real, real good victory for that team. And then last night, can't get a goal against James Reimer and the San Jose Sharks. It was a well-played game by the Hawks, but not well enough. Marc-Andre Fleury loses on his birthday, um, but a big day for Hockey Fights Cancer as well and a fantastic return to the United Center for Troy Murray. He stopped by the radio booth. He stopped by the TV booth. He dropped the ceremonial uh, puck drop before the game, and he's going to be joining us later on tonight. And just... Uh, as everyone else is, can't say enough good things about Troy Murray. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one of the things I miss the most is just Troy's insights yes. on how this team is doing. I, and we're going to spend the bulk of our time with him. Uh, and yes, everyone is is wants to know how he is doing. And we all wonder that every day uh, because you know we love him and we're close to him and, and he's a dear friend. But I've, I've missed his insight on his thoughts on how this team is doing. And listening last night... Uh, you know, when he was on the air with you guys, he was breaking down the San Jose Sharks. Like, he's been on the beat. You know, he's, right. he's been all 21 games so far. So, uh, it was, it was great to hear that. He's keeping his, uh, keeping his knowledge up as you would expect he would. But, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, curious and, and anxious to, to pick his brain on how, uh, this team is doing after, uh, Putting in their twenty first twenty uh, first game of the year last night, a disappointing loss to San Jose. Yeah, both visits by Troy Murray have been spectacular. But you're right, this one uh, he got to get back to his normal roots of breaking down the game with John Weidman, and like you said, he he just went back into mid season form <laughs> with with his terminology and everything. So yeah, we're really excited to hear what Troy Murray has to say about this team right now. As always, we're going to be giving away a Boykey's Prize Pack. 312-981-7200 for the first person that can call in. You get some Biltong, uh, Boyke's hats. you got to give us a, 
a well-thought-out thought about the Blackhawks, but we are giving it away to the first caller again, 312-981-7200. Your, your, your video tweets keep getting better by the week because you <laughs> had a special guest performance. I've, I've missed Plankton. I've, I've missed... I miss the podcast a, a lot, and uh, it was good to see him again, rolling around in the background, knowing that he's well. Yeah, I uh, I either turned people off on those videos or drew more in, because uh, a lot of controversial takes with a mustache and being a cat owner. And, uh, and cooking last week, too? Yeah, yeah well, that, that appeases how did to, How to did the uh, Italian wedding soup? Uh, oh, it turned out up. great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot we talked. About it. Actually, I, I've got one more serving of it left. As uh, we got some leftovers, I'm not a guy that throws out leftovers. I try to use uh, every little bat, uh, last piece of it, and uh, yeah, no. So, so that was that was a success. Um, I'm going to try to make sure my cat isn't in more videos, but uh, I can't can't really promise anything. And you don't uh, want him in there. I mean, again, I had I known he's he going to decide whether he wants to be in there. Or had not. I known he was in the back, I, I would have moved him. And then all of a sudden, I send it to uh, our social media team, Mike Piff, who does a great job here. Uh, didn't realize the cat was in the background, but I think we should keep it. He's like, yeah, I agree. Um, so we've, uh, all right, we've got some callers. And uh, again, we're giving away a Boyke's prize pack, 312-981-7200. Alan has some very, very distinct thoughts and uh, Alan, just remember, we're on the radio. We're, we've got an open mind, but we're also uh, we're also here to hear what you have to say. And Alan's not too pleased about the Blackhawks right now. So, Alan, uh, can we can we get Alan from Florida calling in here on WGN Radio as uh, our producer Curtis is slaving away back there, doing a really good job. Uh, hang on one second. We're going to get Alan on the line. Alan from Florida, you are not too pleased with the Hawks right now. Alan, why is that? Alan didn't want to say it. <laughs> well, uh, while, while we figure that out, uh, you mentioned uh, the roster news, and the Blackhawks did make a uh, roster move today with Philip Kurashev being sent down to the minors. They just announced that about 45 minutes ago, and Josiah Slavin, Jacob's uh, younger brother, who I believe was a seventh-round pick a few years ago, but has been playing well in Rockford since given the opportunity and coming out of college. So he is going to get a crack probably at his NHL debut maybe as soon as Thursday night when the Blackhawks are in Washington to start this road trip. Yeah, and you, you probably think that this is uh, a move to try and help this offense that has been struggling quite a bit lately. Um, before it was 5-on-5, five five, now all of a sudden the power play has uh, lost its luster, and now 5-on-5 five five is being affected too. So now we've got Alan from Florida, who hasn't been too pleased with the Hawks right now. Alan, why is that? Well, you know, I mean, they're playing like trash, guys. Their, their coaching staff is, honestly, in my concept, at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, ever since 2015, they started trading and doing everything else that they did. They just went downhill. I mean, what is it going to take to get back like we was in 2015, 2013? So, you know? Okay, so, Alan, the entire coaching staff, I mean, they did make a coaching change this year, but the entire coaching staff is still not up to your standards? Absolutely not. If they was, they would take control of the team. Okay. Alan, what do you got going on tonight? It sounds like uh, you, you got a busy night back there. Well, you know, I got two youngins taking care of them, trying to watch a little sports TV before it's too late, you know. Big are, football fan. Are you originally from Chicago? Uh, no, I worked up there for a while. Okay, and that, you just became a big Blackhawks fan from working up here? Pretty much, yeah, man. I had a couple coworkers up there, and they it was like, you know, 
just dead-eye fanatics of the Blackhawks. And I didn't really know much about hockey being from Florida. You know, we got Tampa Bay and all, but it's not really a big thing down here. And I'm sure it's really tough to keep it up with uh, your Tampa Bay friends down there right now, huh? No kidding. Oh, man, you have no idea. (laughs) Two-time Stanley, defending Stanley Cup champions. Well, Alan, thanks for your call. You know, in order to expand on that... um, they wanted to give Jeremy uh, enough time. A lot of people thought that it was too much time to give Jeremy. And uh, in fairness to him, as we have discussed and has been pointed out, and this is no, in no way an excuse, and Jeremy would tell you if he had the opportunity to talk to him, it's it's not an excuse either. He wouldn't put it out there. But he never had a full season uh, with a full training camp, an entire season. Uh, he had a share of challenges from that standpoint. But, you know, that's not a crutch to lean on. And I think... The way this roster has been ever since Stan decided in after the 2016 playoff loss in the first round of the Nashville Predators to make certain moves uh, and along those lines also uh, keep the salary cap in mind, trying to think forward down the road in terms of what he wanted to do with this roster, making those those drastic moves like trading uh, Nicholas Jalmerson and uh, eventually the Artemi Panarin trade came along as well. Uh, that happened after that 2016 Nashville series as well. Uh, you look back uh, in retrospect, maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. There were other moves that possibly could have been made. But uh, the other thing, if, if I were to fall, uh, find a fault with Stan, is that he just couldn't stay in one particular lane mm-hmm. year to year with what his philosophy was. One year became a rebuild year, and then we were going to try to contend on the fly, move some pieces around. Uh, try to uh, be good enough to make the playoffs while trying to adapt and adjust that salary cap as it went along. And uh, then you had a couple of seasons where, you know, we went all in and tried to get veterans. And this was one of those off seasons that he decided to do that after we heard a year ago that it was going to be a straight rebuild no matter how long it was going to take. So if I had one criticism of Stan, my main one would be not being able to stay in one particular lane. I think Having that philosophy jump back and forth from year to year has stunted the progress of uh, what the Blackhawks, uh, what fans have become accustomed to and in some ways been spoiled by over mm-hmm. the course of the previous seven, eight, nine years and where the Blackhawks are right now. So um, I think it's it's uh, been ever-evolving, and I think if, if uh, one way that probably could have been avoided would be to uh, stick to one philosophy early on and then uh, and then uh, continue on with that for a number of years. Yeah, I think that's been the main takeaway uh, for this organization, the handful of years in the past. Um, trying to get back to what had happened in that three-cup run, but just keep in mind, that's, that's very difficult to do in any sport, um, especially the NHL. Like you just mentioned, I know Tampa Bay has won back-to-back Stanley Cups, but what the Blackhawks had going on the ice was just so efficient, so sustainable because of the young core that they had, along with veterans, and just the movement that was going on with the roster that was, again, on the ice, led by a very knowledgeable head coach that had a good feel in that locker room. And then once that ship got rocked, firing Joel Quinville, bringing in Jeremy Colleton, that's when those questions start to stir of, is this the right guy to lead this team? And nothing, of course, had come back to that fruition that had happened in those three cup years. And and just a, a couple of points here. First, a word about the, the current coaching staff and, you know, some, some adjustments were made with the assistant coaches once, once Derek came in and 
it was obviously a, a move that needed to be made from a a psychological standpoint in that locker room. And I think from that area, uh, Derek's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you could have plugged anybody in there that they just needed uh, a parting of the ways with Jeremy. But from that standpoint, um, uh, Derek has gotten positive results. Now, the next step is, and we talked about this last week, beating quality opponents. And the Blackhawks are going to see a bunch of them here coming up yes. uh, in, in this road trip at Washington, at the New York Rangers. We all know the New York Islanders are better than their record showed, uh, but they had that season-opening 13-14 game uh, road trip, and now they're bitten by a COVID bug as well. And then the Blackhawks will come home and play the Rangers and then go back out on the road for a couple more. So now this next step is finding ways to defeat some quality teams. They're going to have to find ways to score five-on-five goals. To have just 26 of those in 21 games so far Mm -hmm. is simply ridiculous. And then going back to the previous regime, one thing a lot of people forget is after the Hawks won the Cup in 2010, they had to make some wholesale changes because of the salary cap being implemented. They barely made the playoffs in 2011. They Mm -hmm. went down to the final day and needed help to get into the playoffs in 2011. And then in making the playoffs in 2012, I'm I'm not sure where they ended up finishing off the top of my head. I wanted to say third place, fourth. But they, they made it in. And got knocked off in the very first round. The the disappointment was so deep amongst those three cup runs oh, yes. that there had to be a, a reset in between. Now, this reset is taking a whole lot longer than a lot of us want or a lot of us expected. But I think part of that has to do with the, the point I just mentioned in terms of philosophy flip-flopping from year to year. And I think that's that's kind of stunted this team's growth and has them kind of mired in this uh, uh, stretch of, of mediocrity from where, from a point standpoint, where they've been in the standings the last few years. More on that and then something else I want to bring up that you mentioned about Derek King. we got to get to a break, though. Uh, again, thanks to Boykies for that prize pack. Thanks, again, Alan. Check out, yeah, thanks, Alan. All the way down in Florida, giving us a listen. Appreciate that. I could that. tell from his accent he wasn't from Chicago. <laughs> uh, be sure to check out Boykies.com. That's B-O-I-K-E-Y-S.com. Use the promo code WG. Get 10% off your first order. We've got more Hawks talk. This is Blackhawks Live with Chris Bowden and I, Joe Brand, on 720 WGN. Here's Kyrou, lost the puck at center ice to Seth Jones. Now the Hawks control. Jones to Kane, a two-on-one break with the brink and over the Blues line for the win. Cross to the brink and he scores! Hawks win! Hawks win in overtime! Kane sets up to bring it in the left wing circle and he one-times it past Finnington. The Hawks beat the Blues 3-2 and the United Center is up for grabs. There's been some talk about what has been the best played game for the Hawks this year, but I, I would like to say that that's their best win. I mean, it come from behind, down two goals to the St. Louis Blues, and nonetheless a two-goal deficit in the first period, which is something that the Blackhawks have had a very difficult time overcoming a lot this year. But to score in you know the final minutes of the third period and then win in overtime, that was that that was their more impressive win on the season. And. Uh, to come back from 2 nothing, when you take a look at where this team is now compared to where it was early in the season, and you probably couldn't get much worse than the way they were early in the season, but to fall down 2 nothing, that would have gotten to 4 nothing, 5 nothing earlier on in the year, and the fact that they were able to hang around there against the St. Louis team, that's pretty good, and uh, generate a comeback before winning in overtime. You know, we were talking about what good Derek King has done. And again, this team still has to be a whole lot better. And Derek and the coaching staff are going to try and find a way to make it better. Uh, 
point one, being scoring more goals five on five, however they can unlock that. But one thing I've noticed is that over the past four or five years, the Blackhawks been down at maybe the bottom three in the league in shots against per game. That number has really been reduced dramatically since Derek mm-hmm. took over. And right now, looking up some numbers, they're eighteenth in the league, allowing thir- just under a shade under thirty two shots against per game. That number over the previous three or four years, if not going back even further, was 35, 36 a game. And we've seen some ridiculous games where, you know, uh, teams are putting up 40, 45, 50 shots on goal. We may have even seen a couple of those early on in the season as well, but tightening up in the defensive zone, they're still by no means perfect. Uh, There are still those stretches where they get a little bit scrambly, but uh, being able to shut things down a little bit quickly, recognizing that and get their skates back under them. I seeing, I think we're seeing a lot of that more since Derek King took over behind the bench. It's basically been a 180 flip in multiple aspects. The defense has improved. The special teams have flipped. Uh, five on five has pretty much been the same as, you know, the Hawks are still struggling. Yeah, of course. Um but again, and this is what I want to get into about Derek King. I mean, the whole idea of being down two to nothing to St. Louis, and let's be honest, St. Louis is struggling a little bit. But still, that you can't apologize for that aspect for the Hawks because those are the exact kind of games that they were struggling in so much earlier in the year. You look at the Vancouver game, not playing their best in the first, not playing much better in the second, and then really buckling down in the third and squeezing out a victory there, uh, putting up a good effort against Calgary but not being enough. And then even the San Jose game, you're, you're seeing a more complete game from this team. And more importantly, as Ryan Carpenter put it, a lot less fragile of a group. Mm-hmm. And I think Derek King deserves a lot of credit in that aspect because of his calming sense in that locker room for that team. Again, there's still a lot more to get to. I, I'm not going to jump on Allen from Florida's page and saying it's the coaching staff that can't get a hold of the team because I totally disagree with that. But uh, I, I do think that that change has been a beneficiary of Derek King's doing, and hopefully they can continue from it. We've got to get to a break. Troy Murray is next, though, but first, let's head over to the WGN Newsroom with Steve Ruxton. From her seats just below the radio booth at the United Center, Katrina Vlasic has become a friend of the WGN broadcast team, and when analyst Troy Murray revealed he was battling cancer, she decided to become a captain of Team Murray personally helping produce the equipment, if you will, and offering it free of charge to anyone who wanted to join as long as they shared the support of Troy on social media because she knew how much gestures and support can make a difference to those in the battle. I think it was 2019, my friend Nina came here and you guys were all up in the booth. She came up the booth and I remember you guys like stood up and clapped for her and and, and uh, he has literally made her, as she put it, felt like a princess. So... Um, that kind of stuck with me that, you know, from that night about just how amazing you guys are and Troy is with, with just, you know, the fans. And so I guess in a way it was me trying to say the fans also appreciate him as much as he appreciates the fans. That was a great story by our own and WGN TV's Chris Bowden on a great job done by Katrina or Big season ticket holder about a great person, Troy Murray, who's on the line with us right now and got to join us in the radio booth last night in his normal stomping grounds. And Troy, we can't say enough how amazing it was to see you yesterday. And I I know I said we'd have you on and only talk hockey, so I'll I'll make sure we we do that. But uh... (laughs) it's all all good, Joe. It's all good. You're our princess now, so... (laughs) 
I, yeah, I, I miss well, I appreciate that. I, I miss our Saturday nights together. We always, <laughs> yeah, uh, all all our weekends spent. Together. What are you doing on Saturday night? I'm spending it with Troy. Well, I haven't been able to do that this year, but I'm I'm, I'm missing him more and more. So, thanks we're, for jumping on with us, bud. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys are welcome. I mean that. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm I'm feeling a little bit better as of late and getting a little bit uh, more strength. So great. Um, you know that that's that's a good sign, and certainly enjoyed being a part of the uh, evening last night as a representative it wasn't about me. It was, uh, you know, as a representative for everybody fighting cancer. And it was great to be back on the air last night on our WGN uh, airwaves and stopped in on the TV side as well. So it was good to see everybody last night. Well, you jumped right into mid-season form. Uh, apparently you didn't have any butterflies, huh? <laughs> um, well, John actually asked me a question about the San Jose Sharks goaltending, and, and at that point, I, I hadn't even—I didn't even know who was starting. I, I hadn't even had a chance to see who was, was in net for San Jose, so uh, I, I kind of had to skirt around that issue and, and and talk a little bit out of context about the goaltending because I wasn't even sure who was playing at that point. You fooled us, though. I think it was Nabokov, one of, or one of those guys uh, back in the day Fancy, from San Jose. Yeah, Fancy exactly. Niemi. <laughs> That's right. Niemi. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I, we started the show by you know mentioning that you were going to be on, but one, one of the things I've, I've just missed the most is is hearing your insight on this team, picking your brain, and, and uh, we've all missed that. And uh, I just, you know, I want to ask you some questions about this team and what what you've uh, what you've noticed in particular. First of all, uh, you have seen some type of improvement. We're all looking for more, but since the coaching change was made, I want to just get your thoughts on how necessary that was uh, with the way this team started and uh, what Derek King has brought to the table. You you played against him, I'm sure, uh, back in your playing days, right? Uh, yes, I did, and. Um... Uh, you know, I, I, I as a player for you know uh, all the years I played in the NHL, I went through a lot of coaching changes, and it, it just seemed like the, the team at that point was was waiting for something to happen, and there was high expectations going into this season. Nobody thought that they would get off to the start that they did, and I I think that there was just a lot of frustration being built there, um, and then you hear, hear a lot about uh, you know the coaches on the hot seat and it almost gets to the point where uh, it's unfair to everybody because somebody's waiting for something to happen. And, you know, whether it's a big trade or, you know, back in the day. Um, so I, you know, nothing against Jeremy. Um, but I think that, you know, for the overall change in attitude that, that needed to be made, um, you know, the, the coaching change was necessary. And, and um, I think the players, talked about it a little bit that, it, you know, they feel the responsibility and they should feel the responsibility. You know, there was a lot of players underperforming and some players that are still going through the same struggles that they went through with, with Jeremy offensively. Um, you know, so you, you really can't pinpoint anything directly and saying that this was, you know, Jeremy Carlton's fault, but it, it just, uh, it was a change that needed. And I think, for you know, Derek King as a, as a former player and, I think that he, when he walked in, there was that respect factor. Mark Crawford has been a, a much bigger piece of the puzzle here. I, I think with uh, Derek King, has leaned on him heavily, and um, I think the players first and foremost took the message of Derek King and say, "Hey guys, let's just loosen up a little bit here and, and play some hockey." We we know we we all know we know how to play the game, but I think there was too much thinking going on, and 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 when you start to think the game before you react, it, it, the game is just too fast. And if you're thinking about where you need to be positioning or your, your mind's not quite 100%, uh, 
uh, into it. You're going to run into some problems. And I think that's what Derek King did. He walked in and said, hey, listen, guys, let's just clear our minds. Let's go out and play some hockey. And I, I think you've seen some some results and some building in the right direction uh, in the way that this team wants to play moving forward. What about just on the ice? I mean, I, I know Derek King coming in uh, really changed a, a big mental aspect of this team. But on the ice, what kind of difference have you seen since Derek King has taken over? Well, on the ice, I, I think that um, I, I just think they're playing a little bit more of a basic system in their own end of the ice. Uh, you know, a defenseman staying in front of the front of the net rather than man on man, which sometimes puts it forward in that position. Um, yeah, I, I think that he kind of j- just put everything down a level, and I think that that's kind of calmed the the, the play of the of the guys on the ice. So they're still struggling to score goals, but I think defensively they've been they've been better. Um, you know, sometimes when you look at the analytics, they're a little bit mis, uh, um, you get a little bit misdirected in, in, in what's going on. But I, I think at the beginning of the season, they were, they were pretty good as far as like the high scoring chances, uh, the danger scoring errors that they were giving up. I, I'm not seeing that on a regular basis. They, they still have work to do, obviously. And, and maybe one of the biggest changes is the goaltending at the beginning of the season was not very good. Mm-hmm. And in a close game, like you're saying, the St. Louis Blues game, you're down a couple goals early. You need a couple big saves. They got those saves in the last little while here to give yourself an opportunity to stay in the game. Those saves were not being made, um, and everything just started to snowball. I heard you guys talking about it. The 2 nothing went into a 4 nothing. And the game, you know, the game quickly got out of hand. I think there's a, a, a better belief in the way that they can play and how they can overcome adversity. And a lot of that has to do with the way that the goaltending has been performing here as of late. Yeah, and it's it's really amazing because over the last you know four or five years. We were the, the the Blackhawks' mo to win was to outscore the other team because of all their defense deficiencies in their own end. Now we're seeing a formula. It's almost been, as Joe mentioned earlier, flipped one eighty where they need to grind out games. We mentioned twenty six five on five goals in twenty one games, and uh, you know uh, your fellow your fellow dude in the nineteen jersey. I know he's he's probably squeezing that stick pretty tight here, and uh, you know we've also seen Kirby Dako thirteen games without a goal, Kubalik. Nothing but one assist in his last eleven. You have to figure at some point the the numbers on the back of their card are, are going to start showing up. But uh, the longer this goes, we talked about it many times during the four years we worked together. Uh, sometimes you just need one of those fluke goals in order to kind of uh, open things up. And there's a handful of guys that the Blackhawks are relying on offensively that are waiting for that to happen right now. Right? I, I, I thought Taves had a really good opportunity uh, right in front of that a bang bang play from behind that uh, could have easily went in. Um, you know, for Taves, I, I think that there's, and everybody talks about it because there's so much more involved in, in Taves' game than just scoring. But um, you, you don't want to be in that position where he is right now, not scoring any any goals this season. And Kubalik, what, 15 games now, maybe I think without a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys have the ability to score goals. And um, you know, Kirby Doc, I, I think there was you know, higher expectations that he put on himself coming in offensively and getting an opportunity to, to play in a top offensive role. So um, they need to figure that out. And it's it's hard to say what exactly the problem is. Uh, a guy like Kubalik uh, all of a sudden could get hot. He's had some opportunities as of late. But you, you see him, you know, 
when he doesn't score, you, you see the body language kind of react. And we saw this with Alex Debrinkit a couple of years ago where mm-hmm. he just wasn't scoring goals and you saw the body language, you know, kind of reflecting that. And then you're, you're getting that in the body language. And I know that, you know, players say, well, you know, I don't want to get frustrated, but you can just see it, you know, when, you know, Taves doesn't score the goal the other night, you know, his stick goes onto his knees and that just body language says, you know, that frustration there for Kubalik. I saw him look up a couple of times and, you know, he couldn't believe that he didn't score a goal. Um, you know, those things change pretty quickly. But, for you know, for this team, uh, I think one of the things that they wanted to do uh, first and foremost under Derek King was to shore up the defensive play. Um, and I think that they've done that in a large way, that the, um, they're taking less chances, um, making the smart plays, putting pucks in, getting pucks out. It may not be the prettiest and, the you know, the the, the best way to play to get results, but when your team is struggling to score goals, um, you know, you need to have a way that you can be successful. And I think they've bought into that. And hopefully the way that they play better defensively will give them more opportunities to, to play better offensively. And I, and I think the one thing that they can do, uh, and this is stuff that, you know, we've always talked about is, you know, going back to when I was playing is, is you simplify it, you know, get pucks to the net, get traffic to the front of the net. Um, and good things happen. You, you look at a guy like Hagel this year. A lot of his goals haven't been pretty, but he goes to the front of the net and he gets those redirects. You know, Kubalik was doing that on a pretty regular basis the first couple of seasons. We'd just like to see those guys, you know, hang around the front of the net a little bit more. And, and the one thing that I have noticed in the offensive zone is um, when, when they have a shooting lane, there's been some hesitation in getting pucks to the net. And it's just a split-second hesitation that allows somebody to get into the shooting lane. And if if those shots get blocked, then you take everybody out of the equation um, because those pucks need to get through. It's easier said than done sometimes. But I think if there's a a mental purpose in everybody's mind that once we get in the offensive zone, it's, you know, if we get it down low, it goes up to the point. It's, you know, one side to the other shot before they can get people into the shooting lanes and then create havoc in front of the net. And then once you build that confidence, then you can start making some plays that, uh, you know, you would expect uh, to see out of some of the guys that are going through some offensive droughts. That is the analysis we have been missing so much. <laughs> Troy, I know we said we were I know we said we were gonna keep it squared away with hockey, but I'm gonna ask a question I know everyone's been wondering. How's your pet lizard doing? Oh, he's doing good. Um <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm unfortunately I, I'm not re- I'm not allowed to drive. <laughs> so um I haven't been able to get him his favorite food, which is cricket. So when I go down there and I'm I'm feeding him his lettuce, he's not happy with me. He wants to see some some meat in his diet, and he's just not getting it right now. He's become a vegetarian. And and Connie's not going cricket shopping for you either. Boy, oh boy, Connie is, is not going cricket shopping. Um, but but he's he's actually been really good, and I, I've leaned on him heavily for support. <laughs> Don't lean, don't lean too hard. You might squash him. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been great, buddy. It's it's just been great talking hockey with you, and uh, it was wonderful to see you. Uh, and, yeah, I saw you in person for the first time since uh, all this came down, and uh, it lifted our spirits. I hope everyone was able to lift your spirits uh, uh, a lot last night because uh, everyone loves seeing you, and uh, I hope the, uh, the roar of the crowd – uh, I'm sure it did a, a whole lot of good. And uh, we're all constantly thinking about you. We love you. And, uh, again, can't wait to get you back in that booth again to, to break things down like you just did with us here a few minutes ago. 
Well, I, I appreciate that, Chris and uh, Joe. It's good to see you. Uh, you guys are, um, you know, Joe, you're doing a fantastic job on the broadcast. And Chris, uh, you know, love hey, you. Hey, wait a minute here. Wait, wait a minute here. <laughs> uh, on the game broadcast. Okay. <laughs> not, not this one. Okay. You, you, All right. You, We're both scuffling I, on this one. You you're bailing us out again. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, you know, last night was very emotional, and um, uh, you know, it was it was overwhelming at some times. But uh, you know, just to be able to get up into the booth really kind of calmed everything down mm-hmm. for me, and I, I really, you know, enjoyed being in the booth. Uh, Kaylee was there, and of course, John on the call. Uh, it was tremendous, and uh, I miss everybody back at the station. It's just, you know, it's become a big part of my extended family, the, you know, the WGN crew and the dealing with everybody. And, um, I miss everybody. And I want to thank that, you know, Rocky and Danny and, and Jamie yeah, Faulkner for, you know, allowing me to be a part of that, uh, ceremony last night because it meant a lot, but, you know, again, it wasn't about me. It was representing everybody in the fight with cancer and my goodness, uh, you know, when, when you end up being involved in that fight, uh, you, you just realize how many people it affects and how many people, are in the same boat that I am, and it's, it's not fun to be in. But uh, when you have great support, uh, it, it certainly means a lot and helps a lot. Well, you're a fantastic spokesman, even for if it's for the wrong reason. And Troy, I know you don't like the spotlight being on you, but uh, it is for a good reason right now, and that's because of who you are as a person and how you've treated so many people here. And you know, we really do appreciate you carving out some time for us tonight. I, I know you got a, a good a good nap in, so I appreciate you uh, <laughs> using your time management well to, to benefit us. Yeah, yesterday took a lot out of me, and uh, I, I needed to lie down. And, and uh, you know, my, my body tells me a lot of times that uh, um, I need rest. So when it when it does, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I just go in and, and put my head down and crash. It's a great <laughs> philosophy. Thanks for jumping on with us, Bud, and uh, look to you look guys, to talk to you again you soon. All right. All right. Thanks All right. so much, Troy. Bye-bye. All right. That's the great Troy Murray. Gosh, was that good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> takes the ball and, roll and runs with it. So <laughs> sometimes those 90-minute post-game shows I used to do, they, the, the, he, he, soft, he softened it. You know, he can yeah. just, uh, he can just uh, fill up the time. And uh, all of it is good, too. Great, great, wonderful insight. And it's just good to hear him break things down once again. All right. More worshiping Troy Murray and some other stuff when we come back. One more break to get to. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Well, we're running tight on time, and for good reason. Troy Murray with some fantastic analysis, and uh, just great to hear from number 19 as well. Uh, We hope to hear from you next week. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Before we go, though, don't forget tomorrow is Giving Tuesday. Marquette Bank wants to remind you to support local nonprofits and organizations in your community, like Toy Box Connection in Orland Park. Listen to WGN tomorrow and visit emarquettebank.com slash give to join with Marquette Bank to support local causes. Remember, because you choose to bank with Marquette Bank, good things happen in our neighborhoods. Marquette Bank, member FDIC, equal housing leader, love where you bank. Uh, Blackhawks are on the road. They're going to take a trip out east. Washington, the New York Rangers, maybe the New York Islanders. We'll get all about it next week on Blackhawks Live. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Steve Ruxton is next with the news. After that, John Landecker here on 720 WGN.